0: Welcome to Pathways, I'm Randy Brutkowitz, and today we're meeting with an experienced people and project leader in the biotechnology industry with a track record for delivering innovative solutions. Dr. Lakshmi Shastri-Dent received her Ph.D. in chemistry from Columbia University, broadly studying vision biochemistry but with a focus on rhodopsin protein structure. Dr. Shastri-Dent then did her postdoctoral training at the Scripps Research Institute. She currently works for Dow AgroSciences as a global intellectual property process leader where she improves IP data analysis while managing a cross-platform, multidisciplinary team in agricultural chemistry and agricultural biotechnology. She also implements strategies for company-wide training. Overall, her efforts impact technology innovation for Dow AgroSciences. With over 20 years experience as a research scientist and industry leader, we'll learn how her career steps now aid her company in finding solutions for the growing world. Lakshmi, welcome to Pathways.
1: Thank you, it's great to be here. I always enjoy coming back to IU.
0: Great, great, thank you. First question right off the bat, what is a global IP process leader? and What's your favorite and or most challenging part of your job? Mm.
1: So Global IP Process Leader um, essentially manages a group that develops and manages IP portfolios for Dow AgroSciences. IP, as you know, is foundational for a corporation. Um, our IP is categorized into distinct portfolios such that every product or a technology has its own portfolio. My team, which is cross disciplinary team um, works with different functions, specifically legal, business, as well as R&D, to put together those portfolios, develop and manage the IP portfolios so we stay competitive in the industry.
0: So let's go way back to the Mm -hmm. very beginning. Mm -hmm. Tell us, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in India. Um, Most of my um, childhood was spent in New Delhi, the capital of India. Um, I did get my bachelor's um, in chemistry from a college down south where I was actually born. It's uh, a city called Vizag, which is uh, a beautiful place. It's it's right next to the ocean and it's one of the naval bases. And um, I went to college there. And then moved back up to the north, I went to Indian Institute of Technology in Kanpur to get my master's in chemistry and then moved to the United States for a PhD. Okay.
0: So were you always interested in science? One of the questions I like to ask our guests is, when were you bitten by that science huh. bug?
1: Yeah, I think very early on, I, was, I loved chemistry. Um, I was very, very good at math, so that combination inspired me to look for uh, classes that were more geared towards engineering and pure Mm -hmm. sciences. And in high school, I took physics, math, and chemistry. And initially, I wanted to be a chemical engineer, Um, but there were not that many options in in the city where I went to college for uh, females uh, to go Mm -hmm. to um, an engineering school. We only had one engineering school there. Um, So I said, okay, if I can't be a chemical engineer, I want to do chemistry, so I majored in chemistry. Um, I loved tinkering with different reactions and seeing uh, how you make different compounds, so very early on.
0: In school, did they have those things where you made those little volcanoes where you added baking soda, vinegar, and (laughs) it would go up?
1: Actually, we didn't have that, but in Mm -hmm. college and in high school, what we did have um, are they would give you an unknown compound or an unknown liquid, and they tell you, um, work out a process for identifying what it is and that was always a lot of fun. I mean, one time I got phenol as in my unknown and I had to figure out, what is this thing? So, um, so there were a lot of opportunities to experiment with science um, and I used to read a lot about science and um, so very early interest and I think that my natural aptitude to do well in math and physics and chemistry helped move that along.
0: Do you have any family members who are particularly scientifically inclined?
1: Well, my dad is an engineer. He um, is an electronics and telecommunications engineer. He worked for All India Radio, which was the one of the original um, broadcasting um, companies or government-owned broadcasting entity in India. He finished his career working for Doordarshan, which is a, a again, a government-owned TV um, entity. So he was very much um, into math and engineering. Um, Aside from him, I don't think we had any immediate family members. My older siblings were more interested in sociology and economics,
0: so. That's the one STEM. Yeah, Person, like, I was the, the one dad. STEM, but we <laughs>
1: did have, uh, again, engineers and um, attorneys, lawyers, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, on my mother's side, both my, um, my grandfather and his father and his father, for generations, they were advocates as they're known in India. Uh, and my dad's dad was also a lawyer.
0: So, so focus on higher ed. Yeah. <laughs> Now, your, your father was an influence, in many respects, being an engineer, but did you have any other, other influences who really helped you along the way, mm-hmm. and, and how did he or she help you?
1: Yeah, my teachers were a huge influence. Um, in high school, my chemistry teacher was excellent. The way she taught, the way she made chemistry interesting was very inspiring. Um, and again, as a female interested in chemistry, having a female role model was very, very useful. So I would say my teachers had a huge influence in my career path.
0: I, I think you, meant when you mention having role models, mm-hmm. that, that means a, a lot for a lot of folks,
1: mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm.
0: In, in, in from many different backgrounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: When you, you said you want, you're interested in chemistry, Mm -hmm. but growing up, what was your ultimate career goal?
1: Mm. Um, I knew I wanted to work for um, a company fairly early on um, in making new compounds, medicinal drugs, and pharmaceutical industry was um, an area that I wanted to go into from Early stages of my
0: career. And that sort of explains, I think, in some ways, your career path from your PhD at Columbia, mm-hmm. then you did a postdoc, but some of your postdoctoral experiences were in industry.
1: Exactly.
0: And that you were able to say, well, that's kind of where I want exactly. to go. Yeah. And that's how you started. The path. Mm -hmm. So that explains how you were maybe attracted to those opportunities, but Mm -hmm. how were you able to find those opportunities?
1: Um, So coming to Columbia was uh, a a good move. Um, Again, Columbia has a very good chemistry department, and I was at IIT Kanpur, and there were students who had previously gone to Columbia chemistry department as PhD students. So there was a path for me to follow, if you will. Um, and as I said, we I had a lot of opportunity to play along with you know what is the structure and what is this compound and Columbia had one of uh, a very famous spectroscopist Koji Nakanishi, who uh, went on to be my PhD advisor. Um, so going to Columbia was very very g- a very good move. Um, again, I think for somebody who comes from India. Um, I've always grown up in big cities with lots of crowds, crowds. New York City was an ideal place for me with a lot of diversity and big city ideal place. Um, So Columbia influenced me quite a bit. Um, Koji Nakanishi's lab was a big lab with uh, a diversity of scientific expertise. We had undergraduate students, graduate students, people postdocs, people on sabbatical from all over the world. I got um, a firsthand experience at using a network to problem solve, and also not being afraid to do new things. So my risk-taking attitude developed at Columbia. When I was at Columbia, again, because Koji encouraged out of the box thinking, out of the box um, career moves, it was not so difficult for me to say, I want to apply my knowledge of chemistry to biological problems. And at the time, antibody engineering and catalytic antibodies were very hot. And so I moved to Scripps to pursue that aspect. My intent was to develop therapeutic catalytic antibodies. When I got to Scripps, we um, worked on antibody engineering, specifically to express a diverse repertoire of antibodies in bacteria to enable uh, development of therapeutic reagents. so that drove me more along the di- in the direction of um, therapy, the therapeutic solutions for um, uh, for for the for humanity. When I got to Scripps, my postdoc advisor Richard Lerner said. Um, Oh, we talked about catalytic antibodies, but I have a a different new project that involves industrial collaboration. And I jumped at it, again, because I knew this is a new area, I needed experts to help me, I need to learn very quickly, so hands-on experience with an industrial partner was very appealing. So I spent about eight months at Stratagene in La Jolla, Uh, working on a project that resulted in a PNAS publication and then led on to research that resulted in a science publication and development of phage display antibodies and now zinc fingers and so on. So that's the path that kind of led me from chemistry to applied biotechnology, if you will, um, into therapeutic areas.
0: From from there, you came to Indianapolis. Yes. And your first position here was with Dow Agro Mm -hmm. as a research specialist. How did that opportunity come about?
1: Yeah, so from Scripps, I actually went to um, Washington, D.C. or Maryland, Bethesda area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I worked um, at a cancer therapeutics company, Oncologics, um, developing um, antibody fusion proteins for uh, breast cancer. Um, When the company was um, acquired by a larger entity, I um, was on the research faculty at Georgetown for two years, two and a half years, working on novel uh, targets for uh, cancer therapy. Then I took a break when I had my first child, and my husband moved here to be on um, IU School of Medicine's faculty. And we moved to this area. I was off, off science for almost four years. Um, and went back to train in gene therapy in Ken Conatus lab. And learned a whole new area of biotherapeutics, if you will. Um, After I spent three years in Ken's lab, the opportunity at Dow AgroSciences came up. I was essentially at a stage in my uh, life where I wanted to go back into industry again, Um, and I saw on the net that there was an opportunity, um, and I applied for it, went for an interview, loved uh, Dow AgroSciences, and joined.
0: So the, your steps were when you went from Scripps, you came to DC mm-hmm. and had opportunities both industry and, and academia. And academia, yeah. And then moved here, mm-hmm. a little bit of time off. Did you, you went, your first job after your break was at, at IU?
1: Yes, okay. yeah, Okay. yeah.
0: And, and then it was from there that you started at Dow At Dow AgroSciences. And just applying, because when people talk about applying for jobs in industry, they'll say, I'll throw my, my mm-hmm. CV in, but it goes into a sea of I don't right. know what, yeah. and how do I make myself attractive mm-hmm. to the to either the computers that are reading sure. the CV or the actual committee mm-hmm. that does the initial screening? What, mm-hmm. what, what might be the best way to yeah. think about that?
1: Um, so I'm a big believer in targeted um, seeking. Um, So I did not apply to every job. I was very specific in opportunities that I chose to respond to. And the opportunity at Dow AgroSciences matched my skill set very, very well. Um, This was around uh, protein, uh, heterologous expression of proteins. With my experience at Scripps, at Oncologics, I I had worked uh, with a lot of different heterologous systems. I had a very wide experience in molecular biology and biochemistry at that stage, so my skill set was very, very appropriate for the position that was advertised. Now, it was not agriculture was a new avenue for me. I had new experience in that area. However, I was able to use my base training and my skills Um, for all the projects at Dow AgroSciences very well. So I had essentially uh, transferable skills.
0: Which I think is a really important lesson Mm -hmm. where if you'd ask the question, do you need to have a plant background to work at Dow AgroSciences, your answer was no. That really it depends on how your training really makes you best suited for that position that where your skills are therefore transferable into that area. Exactly it's not like you're going in blind it's like no you have some really good foundational stuff Mm -hmm. and then you're just adding to it yeah plants exactly exactly
1: yeah critical thinking and problem-solving and then you have your base technical knowledge Um, I think those three are a good mix for really any new problem-solving solution Uh,
0: did you have any obstacles, or encounter any obstacles along the way, and and how did you overcome those?
1: Um, Clearly taking time off from science um, generated some obstacles. That's not a traditional career path for most scientists. So I had to backpedal a little bit and retrain at IU, so I would say it slowed my career, um, and at Dow I've been trying to play catch up, if you will. So I take more risks, and um, perhaps um, I do projects and my solutions are aggressive, so I kind of wrap up my career path again.
0: When you say take risks, do you mean take risks in terms of the types of questions that you're addressing in the company, and, and so the, the group? would benefit if those risks risks are high payoff? Uh,
1: Absolutely. So it's the type of questions, it's the approaches that you take um, out of the box, more diverse approaches, novel approaches, which really benefit the group and provide a novel solution.
0: You mentioned earlier when you were at Columbia an mm-hmm. opportunity to network and learning how to network. Mm-hmm. Could you expand on that a little bit more about how important that networking has been for you and can be for others?
1: Absolutely. Uh, for me personally, networking is very, very important because I'm at a stage where I um, have problems that I can't solve on my own. I need Other people's expertise and experience and their input. So, knowing who to go to is very, very important to solve a lot of complicated problems. Networking is key for doing that. You need, and it has to be targeted networking, not random networking, but knowing who to go to to um, get reasonable solutions is very important. So networking has been beneficial for me from that perspective. And of course networking is also important um, in expanding your influence externally. Um, I know people at IU, such as you, and I maintain my relationship, which I hope is mutually beneficial. Um, And I have... um, I continue to network with my colleagues from Scripps and Columbia. Um, So again, I bring in different perspectives through that networking approach.
0: So I'm gonna ask you a question based, it's it's about networking, but based on individual's personality types. Mm -hmm. You don't come across as somebody who's particularly introverted, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Now, there are, in academia, I mean, you're very comfortable in terms of talking about mm-hmm. things, but there are a number of individuals out there who are, let's say, a bit more reticent to mm-hmm. talk about things and to make the first step. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions for them, mm-hmm. any recommendations on the best way to maybe get out of that comfort zone to make those first steps that you need to in order to network effectively?
1: Absolutely. Um, I started out as an introvert, and I'm still an, <laughs> an introvert. I think, um, being aware of your limitation is a first step towards solving um, that problem. Uh, I think a lot of scientists now are very, very savvy and sophisticated on what they need to do. So understanding who to network with and approaching their mentor and asking I really need to touch base with this person, I want to make a connection. What are some questions that I need to prepare? Being prepared, I think, is a good way to start establishing that connection. So I would definitely use um, mentors, uh, graduate student advisors, all resources to help prepare uh, to make that initial establishment of connection. Um, And the more targeted it is, the better. I would say be very, very picky initially on who you want to connect with. And be very, very honest and follow through on uh, your conversations and your commitments. That strengthens your network.
0: What I've heard is be targeted Mm -hmm. and be prepared. Be targeted,
1: absolutely. Yes, and follow through.
0: In terms of if we think about postdocs, graduate students mm-hmm. who have been wondering what they want to do ultimately in their career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as you know, there are perhaps eighty percent of biomedical PhD holders do not hold tenure track faculty positions. Right. What might you advise them in terms of thinking about an industry job? How do you prepare for that? What's What are the best things about industry and the ways to really see if it's right for them? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Again, being aware of the types of industry that you're attracted to is the first step. Um, Do your research, understand different types of industries that you're suited for, pharmaceutical industry, agricultural industry, um, where do you want to go? What is your background? Uh, Where is it best suited for? Um, So again, some research, some soul searching on what you want to do is the first step. Um, I think industry offers a different career path, as you well know, than academia. Um, There are a lot more spaces that you could go to. For example, if you're tra- trained as a scientist, and you're a project lead, technical lead, and you're a group leader or a people leader, but then you want to experiment with something different, industry offers you that, that, um, that experience. So you could go into intellectual property, uh, as I'm doing right now. Um, you could um, go into licensing. There are other non-research Uh, career paths that you can follow in industry. Uh, Being, for postdocs and graduate students, being aware of those non-traditional career paths is very important. Um, And I think your temperament also makes, um, uh, is important to consider in academia versus industry. In industry, you have to work in a team. Your interpersonal skills are very important. Um, You have to be able, you have to be flexible about giving up projects, starting new projects. You have to be a very quick learner, not that that's not Uh, applicable in in academia. But the rate at which things change in industry is very rapid. So your personality has to be suited to that environment as well. So taking into consideration your own personality and how you adapt to change is an important consideration in deciding academia
0: versus industry. It's like turning on a dime in some respects.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. My last question for you, Lakshmi, is. Is there a question that I haven't asked you that you think I should ask you?
1: Um, I think we've, uh, I've said a lot <laughs> in the questions that you've asked me, but I would, um, I would advise or I would um, suggest that graduate students and postdocs um, sit down again with their mentors and their advisors and intentionally plan what they want to do. Not necessarily go along, but take some time, reflect, think about where you want to go, and put together a series of steps to achieve, achieve their goal. So being prepared, intentional, I think will make people successful. Great. Yeah? Thank you. You're thank welcome.
0: You. Now, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Lakshmi shastri for sharing her story of the journey that landed her as a global intellectual property process leader at Dow AgroSciences. I also thank all of you for joining us on this podcast today. Remember, you can find us on the Indiana University School of Medicine's website and on iTunes under Pathways. Also, in addition to the audio from our broadcasts, for some of our interviews, we've captured the video as well. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore the career path of a professional who holds a PhD in the sciences and who is in an exciting, non-academic position. I'm Randy Brettkowitz. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Brettkowitz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine.